Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, if you could see that, that's Sebastian Studener riding a 100-foot wave off of Portugal, just like it did for him. It took risk. It took boldness to uh, ride that wave, and it's going to take risk and boldness and a daring faith to ride the waves uh, that we are going to ride in our life. Uh, thanks for hanging in with us. We're just battling some technical issues this weekend, and uh, we'll get it all resolved. Normally means that it's... Uh, Normally means that it's a great, great message is actually what that means, what I've found maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but thanks for hanging in there with us and I'll try to give you the notes the best I can uh, this weekend for those who maybe can't see this. Uh, next weekend we are officially kicking off our next spiritual growth campaign called Daring Faith. It's an all-in moment for our church as we study the same topic as adults, students, children, weekend services, small groups, our daily moments with God, all around the topic of faith. That means entire families will be united, focused on the same topic. Now, next weekend, we will do an official kickoff. It will be week one of Daring Faith. But this week is week zero, uh, because we wanted to have a week where we heard the heart behind this, uh, and kind of on ramp so that we can get up to speed and we'll be at speed next week when we begin. So this week when your small group gets together, uh, you'll just be getting acclimated. Uh, so maybe you're an existing group and you already know everybody well, this would be a good week. Maybe if you've uh, had a break to just get back together and get reacclimated with one another or welcome any new people. If you're starting a new group, uh, this would be a, a great week to get to know one another and we've kind of got a, a thing that you can walk through for that this week so that next week you can click, click, click play on session one and, and begin going at speed. What is the Daring Faith campaign? Let me just get right to it on your notes. Why are we doing this? What is this? It's a two-month focus and I, if you're taking notes, write in these three words, on growing, sowing, and going in faith. A two-month focus on growing, sowing, and going in faith. Growing, sowing, going. So now, between now and Easter, we'll focus on growing, sowing, and going in our faith. The first thing that we're going to do, what is this, is growing our faith. Now, the Bible says in Colossians 2, 7, you can read this uh, with me out loud from your notes, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, there are a lot of things that we can grow in in life. There's lots of things that we're called to grow in in our life. Uh, if you're a parent, you're called to grow in your parenting. Uh, if you're a kid, you're called to grow, to be growing and to be growing up. Uh, if you are a leader, you're called to be growing in your leadership. Uh, if you have a body, you should be growing uh, in your health as a body and how to take care of your body. So many things in life that we're to grow in. But it's all for naught if we don't grow in our faith. 
And so I want to give this disclaimer here before we begin daring faith. We will be challenged in our faith. Our faith will be poked and prodded. And you may not always feel comfortable as we wrestle with these scriptures on faith. You may have been, friend, you may have been walking with God for a while now. And I'll tell you, there may not be a whole lot of brand new information to you in the Daring Faith campaign, but that's not really the point, is to only say things that you've never heard before. The point is to look at things and say, how is this being applied to my life? How am I a person of faith in this area of my life? And have I ever done any, I know this, have I ever done anything about it? Because we don't grow in comfort. Growth is often uncomfortable because you have to get out of your comfort zone to grow. But the result is blessing and maturity and Christ-likeness and so many wonderful things that we want to get to in our life. So our faith will be challenged as we grow in our faith. We'll do that, but God also wants us to sow into our faith. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So this is the law of you reap what you sow. When you plant one kernel of corn, uh, you don't get one kernel back. You get a whole stock back. So when you grow in your faith, when you sow in your faith, it reaps rewards. So we're going to sow into our faith, serving and being generous and doing what God calls us to do there. If you want to become a person of faith, you have to sow into it. Here's another example of what we're doing. We're growing, sowing, and going in faith. And so many examples I could have given for this one. But here's one of the life of Abraham. Is that it was by faith Abraham obeyed God's call to go to another place that God promised to give him. He left his own country not knowing where he was to go. He left, he left where he was, which is a place called Ur, and he went to the promised land, a place God had designated for him. And God often calls us to go in our faith. Now, that, that may not mean for you, like, uprooting and leaving Kansas City to go to a, a different town, but God calls us to go in our faith to places, to preach the gospel, to uh, go. We'll, we'll talk about this. I was kind of heading down a whole sermon on that, but I'll, I'll save that for later. But why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why all this emphasis on faith? Because of this, write this in. Because everything God does in your life, he does because of his mercy, by grace, through faith. It's not a work that you do that makes you right with God. It's all because of his mercy, his grace, his great love for you. It's Christ's work and you receive it by faith. Everything God wants to do in your life comes through faith. In Ephesians 2, verse 4, it says this. Because of his great love for us. So it starts with God's love. Anything that we receive from God starts because he loves us. How does he show us that love? Who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Even when I was dead in my sin. God showed me love, he offered me mercy, and he offered me his grace. By grace, you have been saved. How do I get this? It comes through faith. 
How do I receive his love, his mercy, faith, his grace? Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that you don't boast about it. You boast in the goodness of God. Now, the Bible says that the way we are, that the, the same way that we receive salvation is the same way that we are to live. That means you received it through faith. You are to live by faith. It's the way we connect with God. In Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what in the world is faith? What is it, this thing that pleases God, that gives me salvation, that gives me life? Well, it's such a big topic that it truly, it's going to take us eight weekends and six small group studies to really unpack it because the Bible has a lot to say about it. And we'll discover a lot of different things that faith does. So let me first this weekend say what faith is not. Okay? Faith is not desire. You can wish for something, hope for something, you can pray for something, you can sincerely desire and crave something, but that doesn't mean that it's faith. Faith is not desire. As a teenager, uh, I, had, I had two big desires. I wanted a car and I wanted a drum set. Those were my biggest desires in life, a car and a drum set. And for whatever reason, I got the drum set first, and then I had no place, no way to transport it anywhere, right? And so I had to get a car. And those, but that wasn't faith. It was just a desire for something. And I remember my first car, I got it for $451, which is the worst thing that's ever happened to my wife, maybe, because now anytime that there's something that costs more than $451, I say, that's more than my first car. Are you kidding me? And she's like, okay, someone was very kind to you when, they, when you bought that car. You can't hold that over our financial head the rest of our life here. But another thing faith is not, as faith is not pretending something is true that just is not true. For instance, I could have a stick of butter up here, and it's a stick of butter, and I could say, you know what, actually, I believe it's a bar of chocolate. And I could wish it were a bar of chocolate, see it as a bar of chocolate, identify it as a bar of chocolate, but at the end of the day, it's not chocolate, it's butter, and it's never gonna become chocolate no matter how much faith I have. So faith isn't conning yourself into something, psyching yourself up to something that's not really true. Faith is also not, just some of the things that it's not, it's not a feeling. In fact, feelings often get in the way of our faith. Where God calls us to, to do something, tells us to do something, and we want to rely on our feeling instead of our faith. A lot of times faith says, I'm moving ahead in spite of my feelings. I'm moving ahead in spite of my fear. I'm moving ahead in spite of my own logic. Faith is also not bargaining with God. It's not saying, well, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. Faith is like a diamond. It's multifaceted. So here's a good kind of grid to look through as we begin looking through this diamond of faith and looking at definitions of it. You might write this down. Faith is seeing from God's point of view. Faith is seeing from God's point of view. It's having God's perspective. Now I want to show you some verses on this, but would you, would you agree with me that there is, there's always more than one way to look at something? 
Now, if you're married or ever been married, you absolutely know that's true because it's like oftentimes you can see things from two totally different perspectives. Like if a couple can barely drive into a parking lot without seeing it two different ways, right? Like there's always more than one way to see the things of life. So true in life. You don't see things the same way your boss does or that your employees do. You don't see things in life the same way your parents do or that your kids do. There's always more than one way to look at something. But sometimes, you, there might be a dozen different ways to look at it. And everyone's giving their opinion and everyone's giving their voice. And what really matters is not how I see it or how you see it, but how God sees it. Because God has a way of looking at life as well. And faith is when I learn to have his vision, when I learn to look at things the way God sees them. A couple verses on this vision, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, what is faith? It's the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. And we'll get in in this series of the context of what they wanted to happen there and what that is. But it is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it up ahead. So even though I can't see it, I'm certain it's there, I know it's there because God sees it and I believe God. That even though we don't see it, we have vision to see it, we have faith to see it. Ephesians chapter one is the master chapter on this. And in verse 18, it's that Paul says, and he's praying for this church at Ephesus, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now hang on with me. Everybody look up here for a moment. You have eyes here. Everyone knows that. It's how you're seeing what's happening right now around you. You also have heart eyes, the eyes of your heart. And it's the way you're filtering what's going on around you. It's why, it's why we're all looking at the same thing right now, but we're all experiencing it very differently. And we're, also ha- we're all having a different experience even though we're all seeing the same thing. It's, we could all go to the same movie this afternoon. And for some of us, we'd love it. Some of us would hate it. Some would think it's powerful. Some of us would cry. We'd all have seen the exact same thing, but we all have a different experience. Why? Because we have a way that we filter what we see around us. It, it's, it's, it's your worldview. So here's how you view the world, but here's how, how you frame your worldview. And you f- are framing the things that you see around you through the good things, the bad things that have happened, the disappointments that you carry, the wounds that you have in your life. And it's why why we could all watch the exact same news story and all have different opinions about it and feel differently about it because, yeah, we saw the same thing here, but we're all seeing something differently here through our hard eyes. And Paul's saying, I pray that you get your hard eyes enlightened that all the stuff that gets packed on it and all the wounds and all the baggage and everything else could be enlightened so that the light could flood in, so that you could see reality, so you could see it for what it is, you could see it for what God sees it, so you can know the hope to which he's called you. Because you can't know hope if you're just reacting to the past. You can't respond to the present if you're reacting to the past. You can't see the future if you're just reacting to the past. Get your heart eyes enlightened. You can know the hope to which he's called you and you can have the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Faith is a way of seeing. It's getting clarity to see and it's seeing things from God's point of view. So what can happen 
when you start to live and see by faith, learning God's vision. We'll talk about how. We'll talk about how to see with the eyes of faith. But I want to talk about what can happen when we start to look at our marriage, our kids, our families, our career, our bodies, seeing it the way God sees it. How do you do that? We'll talk about that, but what difference in your life will it make? And number one, the first difference seeing with the eyes of faith does is that faith shrinks my problems. You might write that in. Faith shrinks my problems. When we begin to open the eyes of our heart and begin to see what God is doing around us, begin to look at things from God's point of view, it shrinks our problems. I've told you this before. I don't know how many times I've, I come into worship and my problems are big. And I've got all these problems on my mind, all of these things, and I have big problems and, and I didn't even want to go to, it's like I've got big problems and a small God. But then through worship, through starting to see, th- through faith, seeing things the way God sees them, declaring his worth, declaring his greatness, I leave worship, and now my God is big and my problems are small. The vision changed, faith changed the way I see my problems. And you come into worship, and when you say, God, we've got a problem. God, you've got a problem. And I'm trusting you. you. I'm trusting you in this problem, in this health crisis, in this expense, in this financial problem. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to let you work it out. And I'm trusting you to use me to work it out. God, I recognize that you may not remove me from this crisis, remove me from this problem, but I'm open and welcome to you using me and obeying you and how you want to work this out, God. And then you can relax because you'll say, how is this going to be solved? How's God going to use me? What's God want me to do? It's not my problem, it's God's problem. And you've cast it, you've cast your care on him, you've cast your problem on him. And is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. Nothing is impossible with God. Faith shrinks my problems. Number two, faith opens the door for a miracle. You might write that in. Faith opens the door for a miracle. So God has set up the universe in a hierarchy of laws. And there's the laws of what you think and feel, but then there's the laws of nature, like the laws of gravity and physics. And of course, if you've ever watched America's Funniest Home videos, you know there's a hierarchy of laws. There's what I think is going to happen, what I expect to happen, and then the laws of nature and gravity take over and they win the day and that's what actually happens. But then there are the laws of faith. And the laws of faith actually supersede the laws of nature. That's where miracles come in. Where, yes, I know this is the law, but God steps in and does a miracle and overrides it. And one of the reasons I'm excited about this campaign is that every time you stretch your faith, God does a miracle. So in Matthew chapter 13, for instance, Jesus is traveling around, and he's doing miracles from town to town. But he gets to uh, one place, he gets to his hometown, and he goes back to his hometown, and he's got his disciples and followers, and they're saying, you know, he's the Messiah, and they're like, Messiah? Like, this is Joseph and Mary's kid. This is a carpenter. And they did not believe. And so he did, 
and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And their lack of faith caused Jesus not to do many miracles. So if you say, well, I don't know why I don't experience many miracles in my life. Like I'm just at the mercy of the laws of addiction or I'm at the mercy of these uh, relational laws or anything and nothing ever overrides it. Well, how are you seeing the problem? Are you seeing it with the eyes of faith? Faith shrinks my problems. It opens doors to a miracle. And number three, faith moves God to act on my behalf. Faith moves God to act on my behalf. Now, as you write that in, please hear me say this today, that I do not believe and I do not subscribe to a theology where God is our servant. We serve God. God does not serve us. We exist for God. God does not exist for us. We are God's to do with as he pleases. God is not ours to do with as we please. God is God, I am not. And maybe if you've never said that, I would encourage you to say that today. God is God and I am not. But God in his grace, in his mercy, steps in through our faith. And no, he's not there to cater to our every whim, wish, and desire. But he does say in Matthew 9, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Then Jesus warned them sternly, and don't tell me Jesus doesn't like a good dad joke, because he said, see that no one knows about this. I just think that's funny, he restores their sight, see that no one knows about this. But what he's doing there is he's got a timeline to follow, he's on a mission to follow, and he's not there just to restore sight to the blind, he's, yeah, he's going to go to the cross, he's going to be a sacrifice for all sin, for all time, a once and for all sacrifice, the Lamb of God like we talked about. So he's got a timeline to follow, but watch this, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Read the miracles of Jesus. See how many times he says, this is coming to you through your faith, because of your faith. And God says, you get to choose. You get to choose how much I bless your life. God works when we humbly expect him to. And he uses us when, when we humbly expect him to use us. And if you expect God to do a little bit in your life, God will do a little bit in your life. If you expect God to do a lot in your life, God will do a lot in your life. If you expect God to do nothing in your life, God will do nothing in your life. And this is where we stretch our faith because we're not satisfied with a shallow faith. We want everything that God has for us. It's seeing with eyes of faith. And God says, when you begin to see, that's how you're saved. That's how the whole thing starts. Is you could see Jesus Christ as nothing. Well, then it means nothing to you. You could see Jesus Christ as just a, a good person in history who was a good teacher and lived a good life. That doesn't do anything for you either. Does, does just a little bit. Maybe you get some lessons from Jesus. But when you see Jesus the way God sees Jesus, that's what saves you. That's faith. 
When you see your life then the way God sees your life, when you see the world the way God sees the world, when you lift up Christ and see Christ the way God sees him, that's what, that's what saves you. And so we're going to dive deep on, God, what do you want us to see? Number four, faith unlocks all the promises of God. So many promises. If you want to be a person of faith, man of faith, woman of faith, you must learn to be a promised person. Now, of all the thousands of promises that God made in his Bible, how do you claim them? How do you get them? Uh, let, let me try this illustration. Let's say you bought an old house and you're renovating that house. And you go up into the attic and there's some stuff from uh, the past up there in that attic. And you go through things and you find a letter that's a very official looking, notarized, embossed, all of this. And it says, uh, I will give whoever has this letter $1 million. Would you at least be a little bit curious? Yeah, I could use a million dollars. I don't know about you. You're all like, oh no, you can keep it. No, I'd be curious of what, what I'm supposed to do with this. Now, is this thing worth, how do you claim the promise? You have to take it to the person who wrote it. If you don't know who wrote it, you don't know what to do with it. So the promises of the Bible only apply to those who know the author of the promises. If you don't know how to get to the person who promised them, then you can't receive the promises. That's why for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. When you find Christ, you find the fulfillment of the promises. You're able to get in on the guarantee because you found the one who fulfilled the promises. And when you know him personally, you know the grantor of the promises. Faith unlocks the promises of God. Number five, faith turns God-given dreams into reality. Now this is so important. I want to challenge you to uh, dream about your life, your marriage, your family in a God-given way. The Bible is full of people who had God-given dreams. Uh, Abraham dreamed of being the father of a nation. Moses dreamed of setting people free. Uh, uh, Joseph dreamed of saving uh, the nation and his own family. Noah dreamed of saving his own family. Uh, all throughout Scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul is given the dream, the mission of, of uh, reaching these people and planting these churches and everything. Now, those people, they had these God-given dreams. They didn't even have all the promises and the hopes that we have today. They didn't have Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. The Bible is going to push us to believe God a little bit more than we've believed him for before. He's going, the Bible's going to push us to believe God longer than we've believed him before. That he is able to do, again, God-given dreams. So this isn't our own thoughts and our own things that we think of, but it's God, what do you want me to believe you for? in my family, in my marriage, in my career, in my life, in the way I'm living, in the way I'm, I'm, I'm reaching more people for Christ. Number six, let me give you one more. Faith gives me the power to hold on in tough times. 
You might write that down. Faith gives me the power to hold on in tough times. This is why we're doing daring faith. Now, why is this one so important? Because maybe you're like me and you found that faith actually causes some problems. When you decide to believe, uh, you are now at odds with a lot of things in the world. You're at odds with your own flesh and your own desires. You're at odds with the enemy. You're at odds with the world and with culture. And faith can cause some problems and produce some tough times. But faith also gives you the power to get through the problem. Faith gives you the ability to handle the pain. Faith gives you the ability to make it through suffering. This world is not heaven. That We will never experience heaven on earth until Christ returns. And there's, things will never go perfectly on this planet. You will always have pain. You will have, always have suffering in your life. Faith gives you the ability to handle it, to withstand it. It, it. it doesn't take you out of the storm. It calms the storm. And faith gives you the ability to bounce back. Nobody goes through life with an unbroken chain of successes. Everybody has failures. Everybody has flops. Everybody has duds. Everybody has regrets. Everybody has, wish I'd never done that. Everyone has mistakes. We all embarrass ourselves. Nobody is getting through life scot-free. We also have things that are done to us, and we have pains and problems and pressures that come. But the people who make it through are those who have a daring resiliency, a daring faith to hold on in tough times. The Apostle Paul, uh, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he's talking about him and his ministry team, and he said, we're pressured on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. How do you think Paul and his ministry companions could say that? His faith compelled him. And more than anything else, we need a strong faith. Because faith does what these six things do. Faith shrinks my problems, opens the door for a miracle, moves God to act on my behalf, unlocks the promises of God, turns God-given dreams into reality, and gives me the power to hold on in tough times. So, what are we going to do over the next couple of months together? How can you get the most out of the Daring Faith campaign? Uh, These five things on your outline. The first is, watch and discuss the six video uh, studies in a small group together. Number two, read the daily inspirations in the study guide. So the easiest way to do both of those is to go out to the lobby and pick up a study guide for uh, $8. So many other services have responded greatly. We've moved a lot of these uh, books. Uh, Go grab you a study guide, and in there, it's going to have uh, the daily, daily inspirations. Just page of thought, a page of response on there. And day one of these, there's 40 of them, day one starts a week from today, next Sunday. And then there's also the study, the study guides for the books for the small group curriculum are baked into this as well. So you can just track with that and do the notes there and it has the discussion questions and everything you need. So go pick up one of these and then also 
listen to the, all the weekend messages of the campaign. So just come back to worship throughout uh, the next couple of months and worship with us through the Daring Faith campaign. Number four, carry the weekly Bible verse with you. That will come with a study guide, a way for you to have the weekly memory verse with you. Now, if you're not connected to a small group, we have a list of small groups available that are meeting at different days, different times, and you can, if you're not connected to a group, you can find one on the list and reach out to the leader and connect that way. Another option for you is we're going to do an on-campus small group on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock in the worship center. So if you like that uh, time this Tuesday night, you could come to week zero of that. If this is a little short notice, come the next week for week one, Tuesday nights in the worship center. But if you're not connected to a group, I would encourage you to do this. To get a couple of study guides and ask someone else, would you go through this with me? Would you watch these six videos with me? Learn from this and do, I need someone to do the discussion questions with. Would you do this with me? And grab one, two other people, three other people and go through it as a small group. Just create a little small group with you guys for this Bible study and say, would you do this Bible study with me? Let us know you're doing that and we can send you some encouragement along the way and help you make the most of that. Now, uh, students, teenagers, uh, you'll be Wednesday nights here in the worship center and you'll have a lesson on faith. Remember, we're all in, so we've got Rockbrook for Kids doing uh, Daring Faith and then Wednesday nights here in the worship center, students come up for Daring Faith for that. And then one more thing I would encourage you to do, lastly, is join us next weekend, February 11th through 12th, for kickoff weekend. So we planned it to be kickoff weekend months ago, and now our hometown team is in the big game next weekend kicking off. So we're going to bring those two things together, and we're going to kick off Daring Faith, and it is going to be a hoot. We're going to have some announcers breaking down the sermon, giving analytics, giving some commentary. Uh, we're going to have uh, a referee. Uh, we're going to have all this fun, to, a sideline reporter, all this great stuff to reinforce kickoff weekend. So join us next weekend. Wear your favorite sports shirt. So whether that's Chiefs or maybe it's your kid's soccer team or uh, another team, but wear your favorite sports uh, shirt. Hopefully, not. if you're an Eagles fan, go for it. You're, everyone's welcome at Rockbrook, okay? We're all welcome. Now, here's my guarantee you, to you next weekend. You won't be put on the spot in any way, okay? It'll all just be a fun thing to take in. We're all on the team together, and we'll launch it. And I think it's going to be one of the, the most fun services we've had in a while. And you'll really enjoy it. It'll be very powerful as well. So, game on, everybody. I'm so excited for this. Rockbrook, thank you for just, man, us calling the play and us going with it. And for everyone who's leaned into this and wants to get the most out of it, I'm praying for you. Thank you uh, for your unity with this. In fact, let's pray as we close today. Well, Heavenly Father, we certainly want to have faith. We see how important it is to our life. We see how crucial it is that we see with your perspective. A lot of perspectives on life, Lord. But of course, we want to have yours. And Lord, I know that we're all coming in here today with different eyes to see. Some of us are uh, really struggling and going through pain and hardship. And, and it's hard uh, to see the hope to which we're called to. It's hard to see 
uh, the future with eyes of faith. And so God, we just, we make this verse our own. We, we confess, we proclaim that we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And so God, I, I pray uh, your blessing and there's power over people today, that they may be emboldened to take this journey and to lean in. Lord, we expect there uh, to be pushback uh, from the enemy, from the world, from our flesh. But we know that you are stronger and you are greater. Lord, help us to grow in our faith through this study. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.